A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Heko nai purangi te nai na te reo irirangi o aotearoa. Everyone dreams to go back to Barnaby. It has always been the talk of uh, our elders that have passed on, and every young person are just curious about where Barnaby is, because most of us grew up having that disconnect to the, the land. Then, as we grow up, there is a desire to go home and see Barnaby. A desire to go and see Barnaby, but where is Barnaby? It's a small island west of Nauru that's home to only about 200 people now, but once had a thriving community. After over 80 years of phosphate mining, not much of it is left, really, of the island nor its original community. At a recent climate change march in Auckland, a big group of Banabans attended, campaigning for restoration of their destroyed island and wanting to bring into the spotlight the link between extractive mining and global warming. That's the group there. They live on the island of Rambi, which is part of Fiji. Welcome to Voices with me, Kadambri Ragukumar. Today we're talking about how and why the Banabans are fighting for justice. My name is uh, Isinterunga Raybentes, and uh, I was born in Fiji. I grew up in Fiji, but I'm originally from uh, Banaba. Uh, Banaba used to be known as Ocean Island, and it is located in the modern-day Kiribati. I'm now uh, residing in Rambi, doing some work with the communities up there, and we are about. 2,000 kilometers away from our homeland, Banaba. Ray led this delegation of Banabans invited by the International Center of Advocates Against Discrimination, ICAD, to Auckland. Sometime in 1900, phosphate was discovered in the rocks of Banaba by New Zealander Albert Ellis, prompting its widespread mining for fertilizer by the British Phosphate Commission, BPC, of which New Zealand was part. Banaba became practically unlivable within decades of the extractive mining. By the end of the Second World War in 1945, the Banabans were moved by the British to Rambi because of all the destruction caused by extraction. They arrived in Rambi to conditions that were very different to the comfort and the familiarity of their home island. Today, about 5,000 Banabans live on Rambi in villages named after and laid out exactly like they were on their home island. There's a caretaker community of about 200 that went back to Banaba after 1979 when mining ended. Uh, because when the forced relocation happened, you know, I wasn't even born. But because we maintained telling these stories to generations and generations, like I could feel what they were going through at that time, it's always been a emotional uh, journey for all of us. It has always triggered, you know, how. We feel about、uh, when we hear about another mining happening in another country, or when we hear that communities were displaced because of cyclones and are living in tents, because our ancestors also lived in tents when they came to Rambi, and so even in my time, I could feel like there is a community that needs healing, and、uh, that was why. I was so motivated to contribute to the project. You know, no one from the countries that 
benefited so much from our ancestral land have taken, you know, the lead to come and see our grieving community because of uh, what happened in their past. Their past that has shaped the present in countries like New Zealand. Phosphate is an essential mineral to make fertiliser, without which farming countries like New Zealand would struggle to maintain viable agricultural land. Essentially, much of New Zealand's agricultural industry from the turn of the century has grown from phosphate taken from Pacific islands like Nauru and Banaba while displacing their inhabitants. By 1979, 22 million tonnes of land had been removed. 90% of Banaba's surface had been stripped away, including fertile soil. The mining activities cut down the landscape from about 80 metres above sea level to only about 20 to 30 metres above sea level. Their moral obligation is to assist the, the island with rehabilitation. When they left the island after 80 years of mining, 80 years of mining, no rehabilitation has been done. And we continue to face a lot of issues with droughts and shortage of food because our infrastructures have been destroyed. On the island we have so much uh, asbestos and that needs to be removed for the sake of the health of our people. How did the asbestos get there? They were used uh, as uh, housing roofs, and that never was removed, despite the many times we've been calling for rehabilitation and clearing of asbestos on the island. So because of the water crisis, no families can harvest the rain because they're using these roofs. And uh, over the last two years, we've been advocating and for two years, I felt like no country have really stepped up to give us permanent solutions. While phosphate mining in Banaba ended in 1979, today New Zealand is one of the biggest importers of what's been called blood phosphates from Western Sahara in northern Africa, with mineral revenue fueling armed conflict and violence in the region. Like the connection between our land and all other lands that contribute you know, to the development of another country those were the lands that our ancestors were buried on. Those were the lands that our ancestors fought on. You know, they are sacred, they are taboo. And now, you know, they're using this land to grow agricultural sector that's also contributing a lot to global warming. You know, indigenous people have lived for many, many years with the environment and learned to take what they take, give back, you know, to replenish what they can do. And that's the link, that's the link that, you know, all these years I've been talking about uh, displacement because of extractive industries, and I, and I feel that they should stop. The story of Banaba is a story of extractive exploitation in the Pacific that not everyone is aware of. I'm at Auckland's Silo Towers, where an art exhibition here highlights the campaign to seek justice for Banabans. Elderly Banaban women from Rambi are sat on hand-woven mats singing and there are wall-to-wall -wall large portraits and displays from the community, both from old archives from Banaba's mining years and some taken recently in Rambi. People walking in seem immediately intrigued and surprised by the displays and all the notes here. This is a project jointly organised by ICAD and Amnesty International. We have a project called The Right to Life with Dignity, which is focused on expanding legal protections for climate-induced migrants. American-born Erin Thomas is a project manager at ICAD in New Zealand. More so than having a direct connection to displacement or extractive industry, um, obviously my ancestors are implicated in a lot of the history of colonialism, 
um, which is my own personal reckoning in all of this work, but in this project in particular, it's primarily about being useful and backing the community in every way that we can, which has extended beyond the artivism piece to some really cool legal analysis and advocacy work as well. Well, not only is it um, largely unheard around the world, but it's also really important that this story is told here in New Zealand because the phosphate from Bonaba as well as from Nauru and other Pacific islands was used to bolster the colonial project here. New Zealand, Australia and the UK governments are all implicated in this harm in history. Many of the images and videos here were taken by Thailand-born Katya Neef, who received support from Amnesty International in New Zealand for this project. I'm an artivist in residence for ICAD, and I'm also an intern working with Erin on this project, so we're the only ones from the team here in New Zealand. So yeah, it's been an incredible experience and project to work on. Growing up in Thailand, I was exposed to a lot of displacement and land grabbing by the tourism industry and our indigenous group in Thailand called the Moken. They were displaced and lost their language and culture and also faced human rights violations through that displacement. So coming to New Zealand and finding out that this is happening in the Pacific as well made me really invested and wanting to yeah, amplify these voices here. What is it that you were specifically hoping to achieve at the end of this exhibition or perhaps long-term campaigning for the people of Rambi? So one of the projects that we did with the Rambi community is a comprehensive legal analysis, looking at some of the human rights violations that are happening on Rambi at the moment. And this is actually published in the form of a policy brief, basically outlining the answers to all of those questions that were... The research was done by our law firm partner, Clifford Chance. Um, and from that, we developed a set of key demands for the Fiji government and the Kiribati government. But naturally, this exhibit being here in New Zealand and the implication of the New Zealand government in all of this, we also have an open letter to the New Zealand Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade um, to open up lines of direct aid to address the concerns not only on Rambi but also the dire um, conditions on Bonaba itself. There's lack of access to water and food resources even. So before we even get to the question of removing asbestos or rehabilitating the island itself from extractive industry, we need to make sure that the, the 200 people who are living there can survive. So are there any efforts from the government of New Zealand towards rehabilitating or restoring the land there? None to date, um, which is why this exhibition is so powerful. And I think um, optimistically, we like to think it's just because of a lack of knowledge. But Rambi falls between the cracks of jurisdictions. So if anyone were to bring a claim, it would have to be the Fiji government or the Kiribati government on behalf of Bonapins living on Rambi. And there are many reasons why neither of those governments want to do that. Um, so a little bit of pressure, um, some demands, some research, some backing from communities and hopefully organizations like ICAD um, can help bring some momentum to those calls. For Ray and the Banaban delegation from Rambi, this trip to Auckland has been tough. As much as it's been about having their story heard, it's also been about finding ways to heal. I think uh, personally, and I won't uh, blame you know people for not uh, having that awareness of what happened, uh, because uh, you know our stories and the stories of our our lands and the phosphate mines, you know, have never been uh, considered to be part of New Zealand's or even. Kiribati and Fiji's education curriculum to tell uh, and to educate people that, you know, there was this specific history that was never spotlighted. So is one of your calls to actions that this particular part of history, Pacific history, be taught in schools in New Zealand? That was one of the most important calls that we made in the open letter 
while we're here for the week with the young people and our dances, our cultural dances. We've been visiting schools and communities. It's just uh, caused more pain to know that no one knew about Barnab. No one knows Barnab. It has been a very emotional uh, week for all of us. I felt that the work displayed here and the program throughout the week really contributed to some healing. Do you feel hopeful? I feel really hopeful with the number of people that we met, that we've talked, and it brought our communities in Auckland together, uh, you know, come together to to see the exhibition and uh, to know that, uh, you know, this is the start of the journey to start raising awareness on the issue. A big thanks to everyone from ICAD, Amnesty International and the Banaban community who visited Auckland. That's Voices for this week with me, Kadambri Raghukumar. Every week I bring you stories from all across New Zealand from people who come from all around the world. If you like what you hear, follow us on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find us on the RNZ website. Today's episode was mixed by Jeremy Veal and I'm Kadambri Raghukumar. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.